Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. I'm D.W. Watterson, also known as Hey D.W. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else you want. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. We're going to keep that part in. Okay. All right. Uh, you have to tell me where D.W. comes from, though. Um, it's my middle name and my last name. It's the initials. So Kristen D.N. Watterson is my full name. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, I just started going by D.W. while I was DJing. Mm-hmm. Eventually moved to Hey D.W. Then all my friends started calling me D.W., and then change my kind of like professional name to DW to the point where my friends ask me, are you going to legally change your name? Uh, to which I reply, my mother will kill me. <laughs> <laughs> it's always important to keep your mother in mind when you're doing things. Yes. Yes. That's yes. what I always tell people. If you do something and you think it's going to embarrass your mom, it's best not. Yeah. Check yourself. Yeah. I, I think so. I thought, so as I was doing research. Mm-hmm. Um, or as my team is doing research, as I like to say. Yes. Um, I was thinking DW. The only DW I know is from this kid's cartoon. Yes. Where the brother says, hey, DW. That's exactly where I got my name from. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. <laughs> just, just, pulled, just, wanted, from just wanted to confirm that. So you're a DJ. Yeah. You're a drummer. You are a, uh, a producer, a digital mm-hmm. producer, content creator, doing a lot of different things. Um, let's go as far back as I can think or as... as as Wikipedia <laughs> takes you. Oh, Wikipedia. Uh, yes. Um, so you went to Ryerson for film school. Yeah. But I have to believe that you had this interest and desire to do something creative well before that. So I'm curious about whether it was on the DJ side or whether it was on the film side. Mm-hmm. What came first and what was the sort of the catalyst? I mean, they both have always been together mm-hmm. uh, in a sense, but I, re- I remember kind of like as a preteen really getting into music and really watching a lot of films. Like my fun Friday night was going to Blockbuster and renting Blockbuster films, but also wow. foreign films and indie films. And then also on Tuesdays, it's new CDs, new releases. I would go and get the new releases of the bands I really liked. Yeah. And, and like sitting in a dark room and like listening to an album so I could like properly hear it. Was it pop culture where you were into? Or were yeah, you, pop, yeah? Okay. pop culture and specifically film, television, and uh, music. Mm-hmm. And then slowly after that, I started playing guitar. Uh, oh, wow. And then I remember one morning I was tapping my toothbrush and my toothpaste on the sink. It was like a Sunday okay. morning. I remember it very vividly. Really? And I was like, oh my God. And I just like this kind of energy washed over me and I ran out to the car and I'm like dad 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 I think I'm a drummer he's like no <laughs> but after that I was like I think I'm a drummer I want to buy a drum set and I bugged my parents for a year year and a half two two yeah. years and I eventually got one and that's had they already that. spent hundreds of dollars on a guitar for you no and they, that's why they said no to the drumming <laughs> they made me jump through hoops they made okay. they were like you need to buy a guitar you need to learn guitar you need to take guitar lessons you need to learn bass you need to learn piano mm-hmm. they did not want drums in the house okay so, i get it and then they were like you have to save up for a drum set which are which are very expensive mm-hmm. i mean it's the most annoyingest instrument for a child to want yeah truly and then it's expensive yeah. Yeah. I can totally get where your parents are coming <laughs> Me too. Coming from. 
Um, but it almost sounds like a like a Crest or a Colgate commercial when you're talking about you started drumming your tooth yeah. and stuff. Um, but when did you when did you when did it click for you that you know th- there's one thing that you're interested in, mm-hmm. um, and then there's something else to say. This is what I'm gonna do. Yeah. When when did that happen for you? I think that. I struggled with that moment at Ryerson. I was in editing and post-production. I was really comfortable being behind the scenes. But it wasn't until my friends uh, really started to be like, well, why don't you write and direct uh, a short film? If you, you know, think everybody's not doing a great job. So I was like, fine, I will. And then I did that. And again, it was one of those feeling the magic of the moment. Like, wow, I could could really get used to this and I could get into this. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't probably until the last two years, maybe that I was like, oh, I can actually make a, a kick at directing and that be my career. Same with ADW, same with DJing and directing. It was like only in the past three years that I really realized I could support myself and kind of follow these dreams and passions and, and be okay. Wow. So I'm like, well, let's try this. And it's been going pretty well so far. So What, what was it that you were complaining about? Um, nobody was good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> specifically the, the or? shots didn't line up the actor they weren't they didn't know how to speak to an actor to get a great performance out of them mm. um generally they were they were just replicating tarantino or scorsese they didn't have any, every anything original to say and mm-hmm. the things that they were trying to say were like these big like life like this is what we all need to do to be happy. I'm like, you are 21. You don't know. You don't know. I don't know, and you don't know. <laughs> so stop trying to make these like grand gesture, like emotion, emotional mm-hmm. shorts, and just. So you were acting a bunch you know. of shorts. No, I wasn't acting. Okay. I was uh, editing. Oh, in you were just production. Edi- oh, okay, okay, okay. So I was cutting all of these things and putting them together, and yeah. I was like, wow, these are all crap. Okay. So my friends were like, stop complaining. Do it. Okay. Do it. Makes sense. And then I did. And then you started. And now I'm here. And now you're. Here. <laughs> Thanks for coming by. Yeah. <laughs> and that's. <laughs> um, so you you go to Ryerson, and you went, get it. Went you to get, Ryerson. Went yeah. to Ryerson. Thank you for correcting my. Sorry, notes. I didn't know where we were going with that. I'm like, I'm not still there. <laughs> God help me. Love you, um, Ryerson. <laughs> and you moved to England. Yes. Yeah. What What was that for? Was that you? You felt that there was opportunity there in, in film, or was that the on the music side of things? It was kind of a follow the white rabbit down the rabbit hole. I okay. heard electronic music for the first time and mm. I was like, oh shit, what is this? this? It's all very percussive and dancey and I was just totally blown away by it. And once I kind of started digging through all the artists that I was really attracted to and I was listening to, they were all from London. I was like, okay. And then all the television I was watching at the time too was all from London. And this was stuff that was changing my life. It was changing the fabric of who I am. Mm-hmm. So my thought was like, okay, if all this is coming from London, there must be something in London that I need to go find and discover. And so I told my parents after I graduated, I'm moving to London. And they're like, uh, okay. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, here we go again. Another drum set. <laughs> what was what were some of those tv shows and uh and dj's uh skins one of my all-time favorite shows the mm-hmm. uk version obviously yeah americans ruined it um misfits was a another big one i don't know if broad church was on at the time but is skins the one where every episode is named after a kid yeah okay yeah, yeah yeah it was that that one and misfits were a big influence on me and then some of the artists were just like i don't know fake blood and jack beats any Mac, EDM artists. Yeah, Any Mac, okay. which is a BBC DJ. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I was I was just like hypnotized by all these people and all these sounds and visuals. So did you get inspired when you went? Oh yeah, big time. Okay. Yeah. And how did that change who you are and what you do today? Uh, it made me more bold. It made me oh. more courageous. Okay. I was funny enough. I was very timid. Like I was still a personality, but yeah. I was very um, not sure of myself. I didn't have a lot of confidence, and I didn't believe that I, you know, maybe deserved success mm-hmm. or that I was capable of it. Yeah. Uh, but going to London, it's kind of like nobody knows you. Sure. So you just try a bunch of stuff and see what sticks to the wall. Yeah. Um, and that really kind of gave me a, gave me a sense of if I can move across the world by myself uh, and go into all these clubs and start DJing and meet people and network. I'm like, I think I have this natural ability to kind of like create my world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of took that back with me to Toronto and started started DJing here. Okay, so you started DJing after London? Yeah, and okay. I started writing my web series, That's My DJ, after London as well. Ah. So it, it really was kind of like a life pivot. So you did, sense. like, you started DJing and then started writing. That's my DJ. All at the same time. Like, how did yeah. you know that, that, I'm curious, how did you figure out that what you were going to do was going to be a story that could be told? I don't, I don't know if I understand That's very question. bold. Well, you're, you're <laughs> <laughs> bold, bold, bold enough, bold enough to say not only am I going to start DJing, yeah. but I'm going to write this web series about mm-hmm. this journey. The thing is, I didn't question it. Those words were never in my head. I was just doing. I was okay. like, I'm gonna, I'm like, I'm DJing. I'm gonna make this mix. I'm gonna enter this contest. I'm gonna get into this contest. Oh, I'm winning this contest. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna set up my own night. I'm gonna start my own production company. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write about my experiences in this web series. There was no thoughts. These past are all me the doing. things that that England. I was just, I was just doing. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's amazing. Um, so you work as a DJ, uh, you start promoting as well. Mm-hmm. My understanding, mm-hmm. you start writing. Mm-hmm. That's my DJ. How did that, you know, you writing that start to um, start to flourish and become like a reality? Like, what, what was that process like? I think after season one, it being my first kind of indie project, it was my baby, it was mm-hmm. based off of me. There were a lot of flaws with it, but there were a lot of things um, that were amazing about it. Mm-hmm. And after kind of going through that entire process and seeing people really respond to it, I didn't realize what was going on. Like, I didn't realize comparatively to other web series that this was kind of stacks above. Like, this was different. I was like, oh, I did a thing. Okay, now I'm going to go do another thing. Like, that's where my head was. Um, So seeing people react to the show really started to change my perspective of, maybe I have something. You know, maybe maybe I have the ability to to tell a story that affects people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of just started going from there. So even before that, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. You start writing it. Like, how do you... This is your first thing that you're doing. Yeah. Right? First web series, first series. First series, yeah. Um, you know, how do you go about hiring actors, actresses, um, and and sort of putting everything together? I don't know mm-hmm. if there was funding that needed to be available. You know, did, did you just throw this up on YouTube or your own website? I'm curious about all of that. Yeah. Um, wrote it with a friend of mine. Okay. He was an actor. Mm-hmm. So we kind of knew lots of other... We knew people in okay. the industry. Also, going to film school, you meet other people. So we were kind of casting from our social group, but then also asking agents to maybe give us, you know, some suggestions of other people. Um, yeah. It, it kind of all just came together really organically. We okay. did an Indiegogo and we self-financed. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire first season, I felt like applying to a grant as a nobody yeah. 
was just going to blow out six to eight months of time. When so I you could. stayed away from that. So I sort stayed of away stuff. from grants. I stayed away from you know going up to people at parties and being like, "Hi, I've never done anything before, but you should believe me that I'm talented." I just in in my world, if I was that other person, mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Prove it." If you don't yeah. have a reel, if you don't have a catalog, then how am I supposed to know? So I was like, I'm going to go prove it myself. I'm just going to keep my head down. I'm going to work. I'm going to do this thing, this thing that I can visualize in my head. Yeah. Um, and and see what happens. How did the Indiegogo thing work then? Because now you're going to a place where nobody knows you. Yeah. You don't know anybody. Like, what story did you tell that audience mm-hmm. that inspired them to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, put my faith in this in this woman. Yeah. So we did a trailer so people could kind of get a gist of the show. Mm -hmm. And then it's a lot of family and friends. Like, it's a lot of bugging family and friends being like, hey, Nana. Yeah. I love you. (laughs) For my birthday, can you do this instead of... Please give me $100. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, I love you. But people stepped up. Yeah. You know, people believed in me, which was also shocking. Mm -hmm. That I'm like, I'm a crazy person. Like, why are you throwing money at me? And they're like, no, like, we believe you that you can do this. And then I did it, and it was better than I thought I could produce. So, a pleasant surprise. For those who people who haven't been exposed to, you've done season two now. Is that is that right? Or you're season in, three just came out. Season three just season. came out. Okay, so season one happened. Season two. When did the the awards start coming in for season you? Season two. That was season two. Yeah. Okay, so for those people who don't know what the series is about, what what is it about? That's my DJ follows the lives of all of these characters who are in Toronto. So season one follows Simon. He's kind of like an overweight, goofy DJ, and he feels super insecure. Mm -hmm. Sex with girls isn't successful at all in the DJ world, so he builds this alter ego. Um, He puts a box on his head and calls himself Dead Pixel and immediately is a hit, and everybody wants to book him, and it's kind of like... You know, that conversation of who are you? Yeah. And uh, what happens when you have instant success? Hmm. Um, Season two follows the character of Megan, who we first see in season one. And it's kind of her story. She's a female promoter, which obviously has its challenges in the most misogynistic, like, music section ever. Um, And it follows her falling for this DJ. And they have a love affair and just the complications of that when you mix, like, business and personal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And season three follows the character of Sam, and he's a producer, and we realize quite quickly that he's developed an issue with substance abuse and follows him on that path and the effects of that. So, which... Each season has gotten darker, mm-hmm. um, which has been great because I really can kind of flex <laughs> fl- uh, flex my muscles, and it's constantly okay. changing for the audience. It's not just one note, one all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So season one, Indiegogo and bugging friends and family, and same for the the rest. Really, season yeah. two and season three, the same thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I really wanted. So to you've flesh stayed out entire... away from like Bell Media Fund and yeah. all those things that we hear about. Yeah, I mean, there's also sex, drugs, and rock and roll in it, and it's an authentic. Mm. viewpoint of what I am experiencing in the DJ world. And it's, you know, some fucked up shit. I don't know if I can swear on this. Yeah, you can. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Amir is like, ugh. (laughs) Now it's going to have an R rating. (laughs) That is fine. Um, So season two and season three. All Indiegogo. Both all Indiegogo. Yeah. But I'm assuming it might be a little bit easier or you're raising more funds as a result. More difficult because you've already asked those same people. Okay. For money. Mm-hmm. So a little more challenging. We also had the help of Touchpoint Films, um, which okay. is Kevin Saffer's company. He saw season one, and I kind of was working in the same office as him and was like, hey, 
wink like i'm doing another season like yeah. you should help me and he's like yeah you're really talented oh like, wow let's uh let's make a deal so he that was able to you know help and did did they is, is there distribution help as well no or? no okay. he, he was just helping me kind of like providing an office space for me to work out of and okay. uh you know some financial help mm-hmm. as well but um yeah so no, so no distribution. So it's so one thing about asking strangers for money. Mm-hmm. It's another thing about putting your work out there for everyone to judge. Mm-hmm, they like it. Mm-hmm, they don't like mm-hmm. it. I imagine it's another thing to apply for awards um, or, yeah. or, or submit your work for consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about that. You know, why you decided the, the festivals that you picked. Um, tell me about that experience. Um for me, I know I have so many friends who are constantly writing and shooting shorts and mm-hmm. they struggle through the post-production process. Uh, and then it comes out and they put it up. Ta-da! Here's a year and a half worth of work. Yeah. And then it's gone because that's how quickly our society moves. Sure. Um, social media is so fast and quick. So I really wanted to concentrate for season two and season three, putting the emphasis on the end uh, when it comes to social media, press, publicity, going to festivals. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if a tree falls in the middle of the woods, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. If you make a really great web series that nobody sees, did you make a really good web series? Mm. So I really wanted to to push it out there to get it into the market to be like, okay, h- how good is this show then? If people responded like this yeah, to, to season one. And yeah, people responded to it. <laughs> nice. So, so part of that that distribution was let's just go to all these festivals and enter our, our, our series into that. Yeah. It wasn't really distribution. It was me okay. saying here, let's go on without a box and yeah, yeah, freeway. Yeah. And these are all the festivals I hear are really great for web series and let's, mm-hmm. you know, submit to them and, and see what happens. What was the first uh, award that you guys won? We won best editing at ITV fest, okay. which actually there, it just passed this past weekend. Jade was there. We we went back as alumni. Okay. Um, and screened it again as alumni. Yeah. Now, now you feel special. <laughs> a year a year later. Yeah. After everything has changed. <laughs> um, how did that feel? It felt good. Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting it. There was also no nomination, so it was just cut. everybody was like blind walking into mm-hmm. the awards ceremony. And it was just an interesting experience to realize, oh, I'm about to go on stage and talk to hundreds of people and say something. And um, I did not prepare for that because how, how are you s- supposed to prepare? Yeah. There's no nominations. Yeah. Um, you won at the New York Television Festival mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And was it Vancouver earlier? Earlier this year, this year Vancouver yeah. as well, yeah. New York, that's huge. New York was a very big turning point, I think, in my life. Yeah. Tell me about that. Why was it? Um, I feel like the entire TV industry goes to that festival. Okay. Um, it's very acclaimed. Everybody takes it seriously. The venue, the host, everybody was just so lovely and amazing. So me and Emily Pickford and Jade Hasune, my two leads, we went down. We we're having a great time. But I had two DJ gigs in Toronto. So I had to leave the festival to fly back yeah. to do these two gigs. And then on a whim, I was like, you know what? I think I need to buy a plane ticket and go back for the award ceremony. Oh, and so you weren't even going to go back? I wasn't going to go back. Okay. The plan was we go for the beginning, we leave. Yeah. We do, I did all, like, they set you up with all these meetings with all of these amazing production companies from yeah. L.A. Mm-hmm. and New York. 
so taking all those meetings was great. I could pitch That's My DJ as a potential TV show and make all these new networking connections outside of Canada, which, sure. as you know, is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on a whim, bought a plane ticket, flew back, uh, went to the awards ceremony, kind of thinking nothing of it. Best director came up, and they were like, so-and-so wins, and another girl won for mm-hmm. an amazing web series. I believe it's Doomsday. Okay. Uh, and then I was like, I again, not thinking anything of it because there's no nominations. They're like, we actually have a second winner for Best Director. Oh. And then they said my name. Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so getting up and, and I have no idea what I said. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been a proud moment for you. It was. Yeah. It, you know, to kind of work, to bust your ass for years, um, being authentic and being an artist and mm-hmm. pulling together a team and trying to inspire people to stick with the project, stick with the funding, stick with the post, stick with the promotion. Like, it's yeah. it's a job and a half. Absolutely. Um, so Probably more than a job. I mean, this yeah. is like, this yeah. is a lifestyle. Yeah, it, it is a lifestyle. So to win Best Director mm-hmm. was amazing yeah i didn't i don't think i have words for that moment really and then i met um david from gersh who is now my agent okay so i'm repped by gersh in the states which again is huge being repped by them and having all this access down there do you feel that you need to change the content of your show to make it quote-unquote tv friendly no no why not my whole thing is I'm going to keep doing me. Okay. And because the best, the artists that inspire me kept doing them. Yeah. And eventually the trends in pop culture caught up to them. Yeah. And by me trying to duplicate other people or replicate other people or trying to fit into a box, I feel like I'm going to bang my head up against okay. a wall and not be artistically satisfied. And if I'm not happy, mm-hmm. then I won't do a good job. I'm guessing there's outlets today which probably weren't around 10 years ago, mm-hmm. like the Netflix, HBO, yep. Yep. maybe Crave to a point. I don't know what their sort of ratings. Yeah, it's kind of the like. Wild West yeah. right now when it comes to when it comes to media and, and mm-hmm. storytelling. Mm-hmm. So who knows what's going to happen. So you continue to DJ mm-hmm. as well, and, and not just DJ, but drum yes. as well. Um have you ever thought that I gotta let go of one of these to take the to take the other one as far as that we can go? Not for a second. Why? Um, I think they they are who I am. Okay. They the one influences the other. I've learned so much about DJing because of directing. The way I structure my sets live on stage is very much like telling a story for me. The what I learned from being in front of an audience uh, on stage, I've applied to how I cut things in mm-hmm. the editing room. So for me, they both help each other and influence each other. And to remove one would, you know, I think the other one would come crumbling down. And I also think I would get bored. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming your your DJing influences the show as well. Oh, big time. Yeah. Big time. Um, you're going on tour. Yes. Tell me about that. I leave on Sunday. Uh, I'm very excited. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm touring with Mystery Skulls, so I opened for him about two years ago at the Drake Hotel, mm-hmm. and he saw me, and he thought I was great, and then I saw his show, and he has cartoons in the background, and so do I, so we oh. realized our brands match okay. very well, and he's such a sweet dude. When I was in LA a couple months ago, I threw a house party at this house that I was 
crashing on. I was crashing on the couch and then I threw a house party and the cops came. It's one of my glory moments. <laughs> but I DJed and played drums in the backyard. Yeah. And I was like, you should come. And he came and he's like, man, he's like, you're so sick. I'm going on tour. You should come. Yeah. I was like, ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, people, people offer a lot of things. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah. in LA. But then a couple months later. He called you. He called me and was like, no, I'm actually going on tour. We started in L.A. We ended in New York. It's three weeks. Yeah. Do you want to be the opener? And on top of that, do you want to play drums with me on stage with the headlining act? And I was like, uh, yes. Wow. So that's what I'm about to do. Nice. Going back with him. Yeah. Or her. I don't even know. Him. So tell tell me. I I am. I, I'm, I'm old school music. Yeah. Uh, I have no clue. I bug, my, I bug one of my friends about EDM. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming that's what you DJ. Or, or am I yeah, totally electronic music, yeah? deep house, things okay. that are like remixes of, of pop music that are good mm -hmm. because there's a lot of bad ones out there. And so, <laughs> where, where do the I'm curious about this like the drumming and DJing at the same time? Yeah, so I open my sets with a track that I've produced, okay. Um, and I'll sit down on the drums and kind of like bang out this drum solo, and then I'll get on the decks and then I start live mixing, yeah, feeding off the crowd, and then I'll, I'll jump over to the drums to kind of like add to the song essentially so for those like hype moments mm -hmm. it's a lot of running around throwing water uh dancing yeah it's a big it's a big sweaty dance party mm -hmm. um i remember going to girl talk shows you know girl talk he's a, mm -hmm. a mashup dj no i don't know anything. okay you gotta you gotta get i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> but i remember going to one of his shows yeah. and i left the phoenix and it looked like I had walked out of a shower. Like I had sweat through all of my clothes. Mm -hmm. My hair was soaked and yeah. it, there was no water. Yeah. The crowd was just that into it. And I was like, this is a party. All these other things where people like get dressed up yeah, and yeah. like look so good. And then they come home and they look so good. I'm like, you didn't have a good time. Mm -hmm. If you don't look demolished mm -hmm. by the end of the night with like dancing and sweat, then you, you did not party. I don't know what you did. Like stood there. So, <laughs> so tell me about, tell me about that. Like what, if, if you were to, I, I guess me, someone has no mm -hmm. clue about that space. Explain to me what you get out of uh, either listening with your headphones mm -hmm. or going to one of these concerts, parties. Like what is it about that music that resonates with you? It just brings so much joy. So much oh, joy. Wow. So much happiness mm -hmm. you know there's escapism to it yeah but it's that kind of you know euphoric feeling um and that i think that's what's always attracted me to music and electronic music mm -hmm. as well it's kind of that like put your hands up in the air yeah this moment is amazing and when the bass drops you're, you're everything's perfect and you're smiling and you look at your friends and they're smiling it's just like a amazing moment so to be able to be on stage yeah and my challenge every night is to get Sober people, drunk people, high people, people who don't want to be there, people who really want to be there yeah. to all be on the same page emotionally yeah. and then tell like tell a story with music and get them to forget about everything else. Forget why they came, for, forget they have a cell phone Yeah. to just be present, which is very difficult to do in today's society. I think I've heard people describe to me it's almost like a spiritual experience mm -hmm. being there. Mm -hmm. Like you just lose, like every everything is gone. Yep. That's amazing. Um, I want to get back to, we, we talked about this before we started recording. Um, you wrote a letter mm -hmm. in 2016 yeah. to the CNE. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about that. 
I remember going to the CNE's webpage and mm-hmm. I was very excited. Yeah. And I was like, well, if I'm going to go to the CNE, I should go on a good night where there's like a, a musical act that I want to see or I'd be interested in checking sure. out. Yeah, yeah. And I went to the page and I realized, and I, forgive me, I don't know the facts right now, but they are in that letter. Okay, fair enough. To fact check me. But I think it was something like 88 performers, Mm -hmm. and out of 88 performers, I think 82 uh, were straight white men. Um, And I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. it's 2016. How did nobody catch this? Mm -hmm. So over the course of three days, I wrote this letter, and I was really... I, I mean, I had a lot of anxiety around sending it. I even messaged my publicist, Samira, being like, I don't know if this is a good idea, but I'm just so... There was just this feeling in my gut, which I get a lot with the drumming and the going to London and all of these things. But I was like, I somebody needs to speak out. Somebody needs to say something and call them out that you. this is not the Canadian national exhibit mm-hmm. of straight white dudes over the age of 40. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where's everybody else that lives in Canada? Where's that representation? Sure. S- especially, where are the women? Mm. Um, so I wrote that that letter and, yeah, it kind of went like Toronto viral. Mm-hmm. Everybody was sharing it and, and chatting about it and I know the CNE responded and everybody kind of laughed at that response. And um, what, it was like, She's just upset that she wasn't called or something like that. I think she was upset because she's like, "Well, we have figure skaters." Like she was, she was counting everybody. That All they entertainers, hired. okay. And I was like, "No, no, I'm talking about music." Mm-hmm. But you know, whatever. <laughs> Do you continue to keep your eye on that? I'm wondering if things have improved. Um, a lot of people, we there were meetings and there weren't meetings, and then people reached out to me in the beginning, being like, "Oh, yep, we want to get on this. We want to bring you in. You know, we think it's great that you wrote this letter." And then slowly, everybody was just like, "Oh, next week, next week, next month, next month," and then they just drifted, 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 drifted. Mm-hmm. I was like. I did my due diligence as a member of society yeah. to call this out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like I, I passed the torch. Um, and it's something that still comes up in a lot of articles uh, when people are talking about shows and festivals in Toronto and looking at the lineup to see, you know, where's the representation? Where's the equality? Because mm-hmm. it does. I mean, the Canadian music industry, we are very far behind. Mm-hmm. The states are better. In terms of it, representation. Yeah. Big time. And it's in especially between men and women. Okay. Yeah, we have a we have a small population, so things change slower. I feel like. Hmm. I'm wondering if there are any festivals that that you've seen that have started. To, oh yeah. 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 There was uh, just Venus Fest, mm-hmm. which was all female. Yeah. I think it was like all women of color too. Okay. Which is amazing. Yeah. And then there was another one called Mothership that was down in LA, mm-hmm. and it was like. <laughs> like the Coachella for women and like Tegan and Sarah spoke and it was like super chill and there was like yoga things and so you're starting to see all these pop up but yeah. they're all doing it with no money so I'm like okay where's all these big you know these big investors yeah why they need to they need to go and invest in mm-hmm. these these shows how many years ago what was that one that um oh, Sarah, Sarah McLaughlin yeah. yeah Lilith Fair right yeah that was like how many was 20 like more than 20 years ago yeah Wow. Yeah. And and still since then there mm-hmm. we the Nothing. industries haven't figured it out. Yeah. But, I mean whether it's movies and or music. I mean it's everything. It but is everything. Specifically isn't it? the two indus- industries that I am. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. they're not great. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm I want to ask you your your thoughts because mm-hmm. you are you are in um in entertainment. Um whether specifically or generally mm-hmm. about this whole issue um, around 
I, I guess what what happened with with Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. um, sort of brought it out into the open where people mm-hmm. are, are now talking about mm-hmm. it. Uh, but where women have to, I, I don't know what they have to do mm-hmm. um, or or not have to do. Um, but your thoughts on 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 all of these power players? Yeah. Um, the public finding out that they're not sweethearts. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's not shocking. Um, like, do you live this every day? Yeah. Even yeah. as even as like a director producer. Yes. Re- yes. Wow. Okay. Um. Ge- generally, women live sexual harassment every day. This is um, part of life. This is a part of life. Um, I think right now in our industry, everything is changing every twenty four hours, and I think that's amazing, and I think that's scary for a lot of people. Um, women and men included. So things I, are changing for the better. You feel we don't we don't know that yet. Okay. I think pe- things are just changing. Okay. And I think there's a lot of hope that things are going to change for the better. Mm-hmm. I think with this hashtag Me Too, I think that was incredible. That was started by Alyssa Milano, um, oh. essentially saying any woman who has been sexually harassed uh, or abused mm. to write hashtag me too and if you wanted to share your story share your story and literally my facebook has been blowing up over the past like 72 hours yeah everybody i was talking to a friend of mine he's like well i don't know any i don't know any women who have been assaulted i'm like yes you do mm-hmm. he's like no i don't i'm like yes you do you just don't know i'm like you know I, them but you don't know that exactly they've been. i'm like we have mutual friends yes you do mm. and he was like like so blown away and I think it's so great right now that we're all becoming visible and talking about it and I'm really curious to see what that next step is going to be where how do we start putting a plan in motion is kind of my next question yeah because for men to say I believe you and for women to say me too you know that's that's step one step yeah but what's step two yeah 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 like how do you I mean my my idea no but my thoughts are that you can't change the the person or the people that will behave or act that way necessarily. It's almost like this is who they are. I have no idea. Mm. I feel like that's a very loaded statement because people do change. Um, but generally, there needs to be consequences that need yes. to be implemented. And yeah. they need to be implemented a lot faster, not 30 years later. Yeah. One of the, I remember when um, the whole Gian Gomeshi... Mm-hmm. thing exploded here in Toronto. Um what I what I found out was the reason that women generally don't come forward is that um that there's no I don't know if, it, if guarantees the word but there's they feel that they that there's nothing that can be done mm-hmm. within the system that is in place already. I, yeah. Right. They're judged. I think there's the feeling, but there's also gotta, the fact that nothing happens. It. Yeah. In the system yeah. Yeah. Because cases don't move through. I mean, look at the president. Mm-hmm. He's literally done the same things as Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. He's the president. Yeah. So what is that saying to all of women who have been the subject of abuse or harassment? But you have hope. Uh, I have more hope in the past 72 hours than I have had before. Mm-hmm. I mean, women are fucking incredible. We will change well, you must this. Be. We we will we will turn this whole thing around. I'm I'm pretty sure, especially with the women's rights um like movement and the march and yeah. we're all kind of coming together and communicating now and putting our foot down and I I think it's going to be a battle. I think it's going to be a hard 
a mm. hard battle, but I mean, it's worth it. Well, it's opened my eyes. I had my uh, brother-in-law, and he's a black American, mm-hmm. um, and I had him on soon after um, Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was telling me about, you know, life in the States and life here in Toronto. And it blew my mind, Mm -hmm. the stuff that he goes through, like Mm -hmm. on a daily basis because of the color of his skin. And um, going on my my Facebook over Mm -hmm. the past, like you said, literally started on the weekend maybe. Mm -hmm. um, And seeing that and and reading all of the Me Too's, I go, holy shit. I didn't know what it was like to be a woman. Like to Mm -hmm. actually, you know, and, and some people would like chronicle mm-hmm. like specific days or years and in their that's life just you reading that's not even you experiencing no that. i know like you will never know what it's like to be I, a woman just no. like i will never know what it's like to be a black man yeah and i think it's so powerful right now the fact that we do have these tools like podcasts and you know facebook and all of these social media where we can begin a dialogue mm-hmm. to kind of inform each other what is actually going on and how can we take uh, steps to change it does any of this that's going on culturally influence and impact your music? Um, oh, big your, time. Yeah? Yeah. How so? I feel more powerful as a woman now than I did. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's important for my voice to be heard. Um, if not for myself, to show other women, you, you can do this. Mm-hmm. If you want to get up on stage and you want to play drums and DJ at the same time in a cheerleading uniform, you can do it because yeah. I can do it. Yeah. And to empower each other. I think that that's what I've really taken away from all of this. And it motivates me to keep going because the biggest feedback I get as an artist, whether it be directing or DJing and drumming, is when women come up to me and say, it's so nice to see a badass woman up there yeah kicking ass and i'm like thank you that means so much because for me if i had that growing up if i could see myself in you know other power position roles and i would have probably started try to try to do this faster or to have that belief that i can do it and you didn't have that like there was no one that you could say you know there's another woman that well, is doing in, that. Like, well, there was my mom, there was my cousin, there were camp counselors, like, but in they weren't DJing. Ways, but they weren't DJs. <laughs> no, 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 and they no. Were, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. That's why Annie Mac was such a big turning point for me. That's before I went to London, England. So mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this female DJ who literally decides what's popular in electronic music and still does to this day. Yeah. Like, she sets trends throughout music and pop music. They just don't know that. What's her name again? Annie Mac. Annie Mac. Yeah. We'll look that up. Yeah. On the on the movie side of mm-hmm. things, who who are your inspirations? Floria Sigismondi. Okay. She directed Runaways and like every single epic music video you've ever ah. seen. And she just did an art exhibition at Nuit Blanche and she directed The Handmaid's Tale. She went to OCAD and is from Hamilton. And she went down to the States and just like ruled. And yeah, she's definitely a big influence of mine. Tell me about this difference between the States and Canada. You've talked about we're a smaller population. Mm-hmm. Things move slower here, um, but you've had the opportunity, you know, for example, to go to New York and mm-hmm. and talk with um, executives in the industry there. Yep. You've done it, the same thing here north of the border. Um, what's the difference you find? Not just uh, not money. just size, okay? Money, all right. <laughs> money. Yeah. Yeah. I think down there it's an actual business. Mm. Um, I think we're playing checkers up here, and some people like checkers, and that's awesome and great. But I want to play chess. You want to play chess? Yeah. So do you feel that you need to spend less time here or no. move from here? Uh, I mean, I think I will eventually migrate to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll always have a foot 
in Toronto. Toronto is my home. I love Toronto. It's given me a space to figure out who I am and what I want to say as an mm -hmm. artist and really develop my skills. And I will forever be grateful for that. So I'll never leave Toronto, like fully, <laughs> but, I, but I will move to LA. <laughs> How many more seasons you got left for uh, That's My DJ? Uh, it's done. It's done as this of now. This is it. Yeah, season three was the last season. Okay. So I'm going to move on to, I'm really focusing on Haiti W right now. I'm working on a feature film. I just shot a short film. I'm shooting two more short films in the next couple months and then going on tour. So I, my plate is full. Tell so me about we'll... these films, these short films uh, that you've done. Well, I can't really talk about them. No one's listening. I'm <laughs> I can't talk about the short films. The long film? Uh, not really. I what can't. are they about? They're not. They're not developed enough, okay, and okay. I don't have like the proper ah. securities on them to mm. be able to like be pitching. Yeah, because they're just not in that that position. Are they still? Are they in the the music genre that you've been doing? Um, kind of not really. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Amir, she's not telling me anything. <laughs> good answer. Am I doing good, Amira? Yes. Can I have an A, please? <laughs> no. <laughs> DW, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's it was been a, great. It's been a pleasure. Yes.
That is not my dad My dad is not a wild man He doesn't even drink My daddy's not a wild man On a secret path The one that nobody knows And I'm moving fast On the path nobody knows I'm a stranger I am the stranger